Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Thursday, the 1st of June for you Geminis out there. Guy Adami here from Parts Unknown. Dan Nathan and Elizabeth Young, Market Call. Oddly enough, I didn't know about this, and they're waving. Look at how cute that is. It is 1 p.m. on the East Coast, but here in Nashville, Tennessee, guess what? It's high noon, people. I didn't even know there was a time zone change until I got here. Today's Market Call brought to you by FactSet, Financial Data and Analytics, powered by tomorrow, Dan. And, of course, SoFi, get your money right all in one app. How are the both of you today? And I can't wait for the comments because, as I said before, you know why the market's higher? Because it's open, Dan Nathan. Yeah, that's a matter of fact. You know, you know what's really nice about Thursday's guy here at the Risk Reversal Media Global Headquarters Please in Chelsea, New York? When Liz comes in, we have a little sushi lunch on Thursdays, right? We have to yeah. like incentivize her. Yeah, yeah, we have to lure her. That was kind of fun. Danny Moses is here again. We just saw him wandering around he on the aimlessly. Streets. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he um, came and, for the free lunch, too. Yeah, he did, right? Yeah. It was delicious, though. He doesn't and even have anything to do until, like, 3 o'clock. Jacob's here. <laughs> we have our intern, Kylie, who's turning out to be an all-star, Kylie. Um, that's been a lot of fun. So Jacob's up from the Charlotte. Um, and uh, here we are. Okay, so market is open. It is up. And therefore, you're putting those two things together, huh, Guy? Liz, what's your take here? Because... Um, so it was interesting that the market yesterday, you know, we pretty much knew that we had a debt deal, but it yeah. obviously got voted through in the House. It goes to the Senate. Then Biden will, um, you know, he's going to sign that little, you know, that little biatch or whatever you want to call it. And listen, I, I think it's little a little bill. A little bill. Sorry. I think it's I think it's a win for everyone involved, uh, including the markets, including the VIX that is, uh, you know, trading at a mid teenager sort of thing. Fifteen seventy nine right now. Um, but again, for something that's meant to be really Political. It ended up not being particularly political. It right. ended up being something that markets weren't particularly worried about. Right. And and we're rallying here. I mean, like, is that is it is it good that we didn't gap up three percent? You know, you know what I'm saying? Because that would have felt like a fade. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this last week or at some point in the last few days. The fact that the market actually hadn't really priced in yeah. the idea of a deal, but it also hadn't priced in the idea of a default, right? Neither was priced in. Mm -hmm. So there was bound to be some upside momentum and some optimism. And, and I think I said on, on Monday's show, which happened on Tuesday, yeah. that we probably had some room in the market <clears throat> this that. week to move up and continue moving up just because it looked like this was going to get done. We can get maybe another crisis averted behind us. And that's relieving, I guess, to some degree. But there's not a ton more upside because we hadn't really priced right. in the risk that was actually out there. All right, here's one for you, Guy. Okay, Go, so fire away. I like and this. I agree with everything Liz just said, but the idea of just staying long, let's say, just because there's probably a little bit more upside doesn't seem like a great proposition from a risk-reward standpoint. Sure. My question to you, Guy, is what would the next sort of catalyst be or the, uh, like another leg in the rally. Do you know what I mean? So like, would it be data that suggests that the economy is not weakening, 
right? But which also strengthens the case for the Fed to continue to keep rates higher for longer. Or is it that the stock market and investors in particular are perfectly comfortable with rates where they are, given what they think are kind of headwinds to growth, but not worst case scenarios. And now default and debt ceiling things is out of the table. Might we see like, you know, just like people just saying, I'm kind of all in here because if a recession happens, it happens. And that was going to happen anyway, it's sooner or later. It's interesting because I would have said the same thing a while ago. So the, yeah. the reason the, the the impetus to stay long um, has been listening to people like me and saying, you know what, I understand what they're saying, but the market seemingly wants to go higher. F- flows continue to move into the equity market. Uh, there's a lack of concern about seemingly anything. That's the reason to continue to stay long. The flip side of that is there's a lot of things to be concerned about. The U.S.-China rhetoric continues to get ramped up. Delinquencies are on the rise. Um, this jobs, the ADP number you saw, suggests that the Fed's job is far from over. So there's a lot to be concerned about as well. Oh, you know, on top of that, valuations, and then add the fact that seven stocks are now, I think, 29% of the S&P 500 and 60% of the NASDAQ. I mean, that has got to be concerning to people because most of those names of those seven are extraordinarily uh, high priced in terms of valuation, Dan. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, I think that's the thing that we're going to be spending the next month or so. If the Fed pauses, right, Liz, in a couple of weeks, you know, we're going to be saying, hey, listen, you know, maybe maybe last year discounted it all. And this is not me throwing in the towel or this or that, whatever, but maybe last last year's decline in the S&P of 22%, the NASDAQ of north of 30%, maybe it discounted a recession was coming in. But like, to me, I you know, I, I, I don't see that. And I guess... You know, I think this is probably the most important chart in the market. And so here's the S&P 500. We talked about that um, that level that we are at. We're above that that Feb second high. The next level would be the 43.35, which was the August high. But this is the one that, and we've highlighted this a bunch. When you look at the S&P equal weight guide, to your point, where you just mentioned about those seven stocks, this is just a very different chart. This is the RSP, right? And so maybe to really highlight that, if you just kind of overlay, you know, the RSP versus the market weight uh, S&P and you see one dog looking one way, one yeah. looking the other, and then guys saying, what do what, you Yeah, Elizabeth knows what that's from, by the way. And I look at this and I want EY's commentary as well, but the bulls will say what's going to wind up happening is the laggards are going to catch up. I mean, I totally understand that argument. The bears will say uh, the market can't sustain itself with just seven names. And I'm sort of in that camp because if those names were fairly valued, um, I would say, okay, I get it. But you're talking about the deep end of the pool in terms of valuation. So I look at this and then you go to the back. If we could toggle back for you bingo players real quick and look at this chart. I mean, we're coming towards this sort of pennant formation, Dan, where we're still in a pretty significant downtrend from, I think, you know, January, February of this year. Elizabeth. Yeah, I, I would agree with that for the most part. I mean, it, it, here's the difference. If the seven stocks that were holding us up were cyclicals, if they were industrials, if they were financials, I'd probably be singing a completely different tune because that would tell me that we were in a part of the economic cycle where expansion was actually probable. And if we had maybe PMIs that were not in contraction territory, if we had unit labor costs that were steady, if not rising, things like that, that would be signaling to us that there was expansion to come and possibly an increase in spending to come. Here's the thing about the economy is that if we think that there's a decrease in spending to come or one that's already shown up 
perhaps in the delinquencies, right? You've got mm-hmm. delinquencies across age groups rising pretty steadily yeah. for the last couple months. That's not an increase in spending. And then you've got other things happening, revisions in data. And this is something that I don't think gets enough attention, but it happened a couple times today. It's happened in the last month where you get a headline number on some data and then you get a revision to the last couple months that was actually pretty crappy, right? So maybe the market already traded on the headline that occurred and then the data gets revised downward and, and we kind of brush it under the rug. There are still signals out there that are saying things aren't great. Not just the equal weight versus the market cap weight. Look at something like small caps versus large caps in a ratio. That ratio right now is at COVID lows. It's at COVID crash lows. Mm -hmm. So what would that tell you? No, it's above where it was in the dot-com bust, but it's come down quite a bit. That's another signal that tells me this market is pretty clear that we are not in a cyclical expansion. Yeah, and I think your point's a really great one when you look at the Russell 2000. And again, we highlighted yesterday. You know, it's it's basically flat on the year, um, up 1.18 percent today, which is basically in line with what the Nasdaq's up. And you would almost expect maybe a little more given the underperformance if you were seeing investors looking to broaden the rally out and looking for opportunities where there's value, that sort of thing. And you're not seeing that. And then when you think about some of the cyclicals you just mentioned, look at a letter X. This is U.S. Steel, okay, and. I actually meant to bring this up yesterday when Carter was on. And so, you know, we, we highlighted yesterday how badly crude was trading, how badly energy stocks, materials, miners, you know, the list goes on. Look at how badly this stock trades. And obviously, this is a reflection, I think, uh, of, of global growth. We've highlighted copper um, also on the show um, in the last few weeks and just the weakness there and, and in the related stocks. Look at it on a five-year basis if Jacob can, can, can kind of move that out. Guy, what does this chart look like to you? We don't even need to draw any lines or anything like that. When we go to five years here, that looks like the mother of all what? <laughs> you're going to say head and shoulders with that head being yeah. obviously i mean it's pretty easy to identify that and if you look at freeport mcmoran to a certain extent it's going to look similar i'm sure alcoa is going to look similar as well and it speaks to global decline just global slowdown which makes sense all the all the numbers out there suggest that now people will say china's going to come out of this at some point this year maybe that's true but the numbers are saying it completely. The numbers suggest an entirely different story. Now, you look at these, you look at some of the manufacturers out there, some of those deeply cyclical stocks, industrial names, and then you throw into that, Dan, some of the retailers, which have traded really poorly. You know, we'll look at Dollar Gen at some point, but it's not necessarily the stock Dollar Gen. It's the commentary around what they're seeing, and it's concerning. So, the market suggests at 4220 in the S&P that everything is fine, but we look at other things that are suggesting an entirely different story. The question's going to be, how does this rectify itself? Does it go back to the comment I made earlier? Do the laggards catch up or do some of those high flyers start to sort of tame down? And that's that's really that's the rub right now in the broader. I mean, that is the story in the broader market, Dan. Yeah, you know, it's interesting again, and we've gone now, what, 10 minutes, and we haven't mentioned NVIDIA. Um, you know, NVIDIA. Thank God, but you're going to mention five, it because you just did it. Well, I know, but it was down 5.5% yesterday. I really felt like the fever broke, and then here it is up 5% today. And so this is going to continue to, like, the, the volatility bands have just obviously widened since that big gap. And so these are the names to watch because, you know, and then Broadcom, you know, uh, AVGO reports today after the close, huge reversal there. That will be really interesting because there was a name that got swept up in this AI thing, maybe because um, the, the CEO of the company decided to make this stock ticker AI, um, that is C3 <laughs> AI, and that stock 
stock, you know, guy, when we were doing the market call, I think it was two days ago, it was up 33% or something like that. Yesterday got murdered, then it was down 20% on its lows today after they gave a different dis disappointing guidance. I think you got to wait for those names to break and then and then you're going to have an S&P headed back to 39.75. Liz, but talk to us about, you know, just this this kind of ping pong action we've seen in crude oil, just like in the last, you know, yesterday it was down three and a half percent. Today it's up four percent. You see what's going on in oil stocks. We just mentioned some of these materials, you know, min minerals, mm -hmm. metals, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. is, are they reflective of, of possibly a slowing global growth? I mean, we saw some data out of China that didn't seem particularly great earlier in the week. And then you just mentioned the PMIs here. Um, is this the next focus here, um, like uh, investors, now that we we kind of. You know, we're waiting for the AI break, um, but we obviously have the Fed in two weeks. Um, is that going to be tied to interest rates and global growth? Is that the next really focus? Oil, you mean, and energy well, stocks? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, like, do you do you look at them? Are, are we thinking about this appropriately, in your opinion? I mean, frankly, I'm looking at oil right now in a gain today, and and the upside in the market today is really debt ceiling related, yeah. and we need to refill the SPR, right? So yeah. it, you throw some demand into the equation. Oil prices probably rise on that ahead of time. We've been saying that though, when, when, you know, oil with a seven handle for like, like, you know what I mean? For seven, eight right. months and they haven't done it yet. Which well, they didn't have money to, oh, they couldn't. Oh, look at you. So you raise the debt ceiling. Now they have money to do it Ooh. and they can buy. And I think that that probably pushes upside on oil prices. I don't necessarily have a strong emotion about what it's going to do to actual energy stocks, but I think it pushes oil up yeah. in the short Guy, term. Do you want to second that emotion? I'll, I'll second that emotion with the caveat being that oil stocks have been obviously they've been trading on the flip side of this rotation that's been in all things high growth technologies, all things AI. So I think people have sold their energy names and, and maybe correctly so, I don't know, and have piled into some of these obviously high valuation growth technology names. But I'll tell you, if you're looking for value plays, these energy stocks provide it and I've said this for a while. I mean, I understand the trading around it and the underlying commodity, but energy names are just too cheap in this environment, I think. And, I, and I'm and i saying that understanding that global growth is slowing down, Dan. You know what's weird? No, neither one of you picked up what I was dropping there, that second, that emotion. Remember that guy? The song? Yeah. Yeah, that's a shitty song. Okay. I, you know. Okay. Is that so, like the Temptations or something? You know, that's or? something really interesting. It's an oldie. I just looked at my fact set screen as I do during market call or throughout the whole day i'm looking at google and amazon they're literally trading at the exact same price 123.11 or so depending upon each tick or so is that kind of what weird? does that mean i don't know i mean i don't know is mercury in retrograde i don't know um let's guy you mentioned uh dollar gen and there's actually there's there's a few things going on in retail i think are really interesting today um so dollar gen this is a name that um i know that you like to focus on you think it's a pretty decent indicator of a certain um, sort of consumer um, and, and some of the things that they had to say, and I'll let you get into that. I mean, when you look at that chart and you look at how much that stock um, is down today, it is pretty astounding in a market that really feels like it wants to party a little bit. And look at it on a five-year basis when you look at a gap like that. I mean, that is a five-year uptrend that has been, you know, pretty breached. Yeah, breached in a meaningful way on massive volume. <laughs> Um, talk to me, Guy, a little bit about what's going on with your Dollar General here. I, I love, it's mine when it goes down. I love that. And uh, I've talked about that. No, listen, I'm not being. I'm, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that, you know, challenging economic backdrop, when you hear that out of a, a retailer like Dollar Gen, and then you sort of then dovetail that and add on to that what we've heard out of Target and Walmart, and it starts to paint a bit of a picture here. So 
You know, you know, people say you're just cherry picking here. Not really. I mean, these are the companies that really have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. And this, by the way, is not an inventory bill, Dollar Gen. This is a challenging economic backdrop, Dollar Gen. So you tell me. And it is challenging. And you, know, you look at the consumer debt, you know, $17 trillion. We talk about that a lot. I mean, we talk about delinquency rates going higher, levels we haven't seen in quite some time. All the, all the signs are there. The only thing that isn't there is the broader market, which, again, is being buoyed by a handful, dozen, whatever names. And, you know, it is just is what it is. But the Fed's got a tough job here. The ADP, the, the ADP report suggests employment in this country is still tight, understanding that's backward looking. I am convinced that the Fed wants a five handle in terms of unemployment. Maybe, I'll, you know what, but I'll say maybe four and a half to five if you want to sort of equivocate but we're nowhere near that at 3.4 percent dan which suggests rates are going to stay long higher for longer which is exactly what jamie diamond said last week and he said you know prepare yourself for six or seven percent interest rates yeah so liz you know and to guy's point about oh you're just cherry picking the dollar gen i mean you could look at a chewy today it's up 25 percent. okay this is a 15 billion dollar uh, market cap company here and they're talking about some of their subscriptions and and again you know i'm sure you get um big bags of food for your little itty bitty uh kitty <laughs> I uh, do. see what i, I just did got there? a chewy from chewy I just got a chewy and, box and, and that is sticky stuff and you know we've gone on and on for years you know like yeah. amazon prime it was a really smart thing they lost a lot of money doing that for a long time but they created a certain sort of behavior that makes yeah. it almost like a staple product a little bit so i mean these are two opposite sides people are getting a hundred dollars delivered a week from chewy versus yeah. shopping at a dollar store i mean that's kind of a different demographic a little bit yeah well i mean some of the economy has shifted in some ways and consumers have shifted over the years in some ways. And, and we talk about this also in the sense of, you know, think about an iPhone. People will stop paying for their cars before they'll stop paying their phone bills, right? They, they're prioritizing different things. I've long believed, uh, I do it more jokingly, sort of tongue in cheek than anything, but the two industries that if you wanted to start a business in to just be profitable to no end is pets and weddings, yeah. right? The stuff that people will spend too much money on too. constantly, right? right? Yeah. You become a divorce right. attorney, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. That but one. that's the stuff that, regardless of what's happening in the economy, people are still going to feed their pets organic chicken yeah. that they order online, True. right? And they're still going to spend way too much money on this. a DJ or a band at I a wedding. I did once, you know, and I love my dog Dodger. And, and uh, you know, I once was watching a show and I saw an ad for the Nom or Num Nom or something like that. Uh -huh. And I was like, I would eat that maybe. If you gave me a tortilla, like I might put it in something like that or whatever. <laughs> so I spent a hundred bucks. I ordered some for Dodger and it came and it looked like dog food to use yeah. the express. I mean, right. like it looked disgusting. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah. You know what? Not buying that. All right. Real quickly here, Guy, you've been highlighting. I think First of all, what it. are you even talking about? You're going to put dog food in a, in a tortilla? Uh, I'm delirious right now. This market is making me. It's doing something to me. I just don't understand like no, the thought process the behind it. it. Guy, by the way, this is not a pitch for them. And maybe we should. Maybe they no. should become a sponsor of the market. Should they should. But the farmer's dog. My dogs yeah. are doing extraordinarily well. They've been on it since probably really? February, and they dig it, man. How and they're that, losing weight. They're thin. They're energetic. Their consider, coats are lush. 
Anyway, we're going to ask you something. Instead of putting it, 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 I mean, listen, if it was end of time. Let me tell you, you something. Need, with you, my you constitution. Yeah. You know I mean? like, I'd probably eat Biddy's food um, if I had nothing else Bitty, in the house. Kitty. Yeah. Um, guy, I eat special K. That's about, that's about <laughs> as ex exciting as I'm getting these days. No, trust me. We know. Um, your target. It, it, actually, this is not your target in the way that no, I think. I mean, it's, you can, I mean this no, is what people are going to say. Target is going lower because of this woke thing. That First of all. What's I mean, it's on? complete horseshit. I mean, Target's going lower because Target has issues. And you know, you're talking about a six-month low in a stock that should be trading a lot better in this environment. And then JP Morgan, oh, thank you very much, downgrades Target as concerns mount. So I, this is not a small, insignificant company. Throw Walmart on that. Walmart does not look nearly as bad as Target does. But, you know, Walmart has a bit of a double top here, Dan. We've talked yep. about that as well. So there's a retail story going on. There's an industrial story going on. There's a, um, you mentioned material story going on. You throw in energy, which is bouncing today, going on. And the other side of that coin is, hey, wait a second, you know, AI is taking over the world and this is going to be the, the salve for all the woes out there. It ain't going to happen, folks. I'm just telling you right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, hey, really quickly, um, just pull up the XRT and then salve is a great word, by the way. At, I like yeah, you saying it. it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, the XRT is is that a would that work in Wordle? Is it five letters or is it S A L V E? I'm looking. I'm looking. I just yeah. started playing like a month ago. I know I'm two years behind this whole thing. I started playing a month ago, and I just got my first one that I couldn't get the other day. And it was three twenty in the morning. You know, I wake up and I was like, you know what? I shouldn't do it at three twenty in the morning. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Well. Um, really quickly, Liz, on the on the XRT though, just as as a group, because Guy made a great point there. If you look at the Walmart chart, it looks very different than the Target chart, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you mm -hmm. look at the XRT, look where it, it literally almost stopped to the penny at a one year low here. Do you think a lot of this consumer weakness is priced into many of the retailers? Do you know what I mean? Is this a value space ish? All right, let's. I hear think it. it's starting yeah. to be priced in because we have to remember <clears> that. What's happening in the retail names might be different than what's happening in the retail stores today, right? If the market is ahead of this, you've got traders out there, maybe institutional traders, maybe people like me, right? Maybe technicians. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming now that technicians have jumped onto it because it broke down. Yeah. But trading the market in anticipation of a pullback in consumer demand in anticipation of maybe we've gotten through the inventory problems, but that was maybe that was the beginning of the problem. And now we're anticipating that consumers are going to change their behavior in a way of actually slowing down spending overall. Yeah. Right. So those retail names probably leading that part of the economic environment. I mean, you're obviously you're going to always see winners and losers, even in a breakdown. Right. The only time that everything crashes all at once is in the middle of a crash. Right. But you're going to see winners and losers and companies that are managing it better. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that it's all that surprising that maybe Walmart would be doing better right here than 50 Target would, is, is right? food, right? And so they're benefiting a little from food yeah, inflation. Yeah, it's, and it's stuff. food. And it's, <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't necessarily square with the Dollar General story, but I mean, Walmart is a lower price point, right? And it's Target is kind of More that like luxury-ish yeah. side of that particular market. So, yeah. you know, Not I don't know. Not something ever I, really been said, but I like you just coined it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
No, I, I, I see. It's a higher I, price point. I, I see if you're going to trade down, listen, if you're a guy, target shopper and you're going to trade down, you might go to Walmart. Guy, you know, right? you um, think about that. she's trying out some stuff right now. This is a little warm up. Because Are she's, we live? She's, I thought we could. She's heading down to the New York Stock Exchange. She's trying she to. On, what, the, which show is she on today? Be on the closing bell oh, with, with the I judge. Could edit this, but she's no? trying to okay. uh, get some she's of her. She's working right. She's that's like it's like comedians go to these small places and they and they use they work they work on their stuff and then they go to play Madison Square Garden. That so one, we're the small, we're obviously not Madison Square Garden. No. I just add this to the mix. I mean, listen, KRE's bouncing today. Um, some of the banks are bouncing a little bit, Goldman Sachs notwithstanding. But go, the banks don't trade all that well either. So maybe the banks start to play catch up here as well. I just don't think that's happening. I think there's another leg lower in these banks. And I think the banks, you got to sort of avoid um, for the not foreseeable future, but in the short term, because they're going to be challenged. We don't even talk, we talk about this on Market Call, but the yield curve continues to move the other way. Elizabeth pointed this out. When two's tens went to 110 basis points inverted, she said that wasn't her concern. Her concern was going to be when it went back the other way, and it did in a meaningful way, down to about 40 or so basis points. But here we are, yeah. headed the other direction as well. And the people say, ah, I don't focus on that. It's different this time because they, it ain't different this time. There are concerns going on underneath the surface in the bond market too, Dan. Yeah. So it's interesting. So we started this conversation by talking about like, you know, what could go right here in the economy in the U.S. now that we have this. So it's interesting, Liz. And and, and again, there's no joke here. Um, you know, your note on the, on the SoFi blog this morning is you're, you're looking overseas, right? And you're looking at some stuff. I mean, to me, I guess when I think back to um, Guy, some of, some of the, the, the biggest points of volatility that we've seen, let's say pre-COVID, um, they really had to do with China growth. Uh, you know what I mean? Or, or it's slowing basically. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, people discount when it's growing higher than expected, but for some reason, when it looks weaker than expected, they take it fairly seriously. So talk to us a little bit why you're focusing outside the U S this week in your piece and, and kind of, are there opportunities right now, especially if you're just kind of like, okay, the U S market, given the headwinds seems expensive. It seems like there's probably some cheaper places to put some money to work. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily all about valuations, and I purposely didn't put valuations mm -hmm. into this piece because if it's a valuation story, you'd be buying international all day long, right? But you have to start thinking about, or at least I'm starting to think about, okay, if we look back at what happened in May, unless you were an AI-related name or a semiconductor stock, you actually didn't do well mm -hmm. at all. And at that point, if you're an investor and you're looking for opportunities, you probably have to start casting a wider net. So then think about, Let's look at other sectors. And I still can't really get excited about some of the other sectors. Either it's a valuation issue or it's just where I think we are in the cycle. And frankly, I'm tired of getting excited about treasuries and cash and money market funds So and gold. So look outside the U.S. Are there opportunities there? And when you look at some of this data, particularly the earnings data, there's a chart in there with earnings expectations of both the U.S., which, as we all know, have been revised downward since last summer, but they've kind of flatlined, leveled out here. And then you've got earnings expectations of Europe, which is that middle kind of blue, light blue line, which are had been rising, but now they've sort of turned over. And it's hard to tell if that's like the beginning of their downward revision cycle. But if you look at emerging markets, which is that yellow line at the bottom, I'm starting to feel like maybe that's actually bottoming out. Maybe the earnings expectations in emerging markets are sort of bottoming out. Now, I don't think we're ready yet, because if you look at what's happening in China, you've got PMIs in the manufacturing sector pulling back a lot. If there is a threat of further lockdowns, you're going to see the services sector pull back a lot, too. And, and as you know, if you're trying to buy broad EM, you're probably going to have about 30 percent in China. Yep. So you do have to be careful about that. But 
the interesting part about this is that for a long time, central banks around the world had moved in the same direction and we were all hurting at the same time, sort of at the same speed. Inflation <laughs> was an issue. Now the speeds are changing and different regions are hurting at different times. I think that there's probably going to be opportunity outside the U.S. as this cycle continues to play out, especially if the dollar gets weaker. So this piece wasn't necessarily for me to pound the table and say, go buy international stocks. It was, here are some things to look at. And I would watch this over the next few months and some of the coming quarters for opportunities if you can't jump aboard the AI train, because it started to feel here like, are we just grasping Don't at jump some... aboard? <laughs> that's a, that's a bullet train. That's a train you can't well, jump aboard. You know I, mean? like, I felt like we were we're grasping a little bit where yeah. it's like if it's that one thing and that one thing only that people are finding opportunity in, we got to be able to find opportunity elsewhere. And it's just, you know, it's an idea to start opening up to other regions. So as a kid, um, I love the note, by the way, globetrotting. So as a kid, I actually saw the Harlem Globetrotters. Everybody loved Meadowlark Lemon for good reason. He was sort of the front person. But I was a big Curly Neal fan because Curly had a handle, Elizabeth, probably not unlike the handle that you had back in the day. So I like the note without question. I'll say this, if the great Jacob can pull this up. EWJ, Japan has traded really well over the last six months or so, getting off the mat for the first time in a long time. So Japan still seems to have some mojo. I think that mojo was sort of um, added some fuel when Warren Buffett told everybody about the banks and some of the financial institution he was in in Japan. So that probably still has some um, juice to the upside. But flip side of that coin is FXI, which is, again, bouncing a little bit here, but has not traded particularly well either. So if FXI can somehow get off the mat, maybe then things get interesting again. So those are the two things that I look at in a in a cavalcade of many things, Dan. Uh, by the way, Guy, yes. because I knew what the title of my piece was, I said to the crew here before we started the show, I said, what's uh, the over-under on Guy making a Harlem Globetrotters yeah, reference? Well, you won. <laughs> she, she, she won. She's in my head. She uh, understands. But I actually mentioned, because I know... When she was a young lass, she played basketball and she probably played the point guard position. And her greats, listen, she wasn't draining shit from three, but she had a great handle because her old man forced her not only to be able to go right, but to go left as well. Tell me I'm lying. You are correct. I've been to a lot of basketball camps against my will. Um, but my dad would also tell you a story about me spraining my ankle, I believe, in eighth grade basketball, being very dramatic about it and refusing to ever play again. Did and he that's when it. I became a cheerleader. Did and he, he say, me to still shut up before I really give you something to cry about? <laughs> no, no. But I did so <laughs> But I did something really awful when I was laying on the court crying. I said, you, you made weren't... me play or something like that. Oh, and then you you like weren't. Please tell me you didn't cry. Oh, I did. That did. upsets me. There's no crying in basketball. <laughs> There's All right, no crying, guy. period. Well. Uh, oh. No crying in trading. I mean, I got to tell you something, though. <laughs> I'm not feeling particularly well. My voice is shot. The market doesn't it, it defies logic. I'm out here in a room in Nashville. I had tomato soup for dinner last night in my boxer shorts. I mean, I'm at, at a low point here. But hey, listen, yourself, what can I tell you? Sounds you'll hot. feel a lot better you know at you... Tootsie's. Listen to some country music. Ugh. Throw a 20 in the jar and ask for some Alabama. It'll lift your spirits in no time. Speaking of Alabama, I'm sure that this gentleman has been to Alabama a number of times. But if it's Thursday, Dan, what is it? It's Butters. Okay, so here we go. We have John Butters. He's a senior earnings insight analyst over there at FactSet. He has been a guest on this fine program on many occasions over the last couple of years. We get a preview of his 
earnings insight blog that drops every Friday. You can sign up for it at factset.com and, and find John's work in your email box every Friday morning. But you can also tune in to Market Call on Thursdays with EY from SoFi Guy and myself. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we took away from his report. So one of the things that I love about John's work is just kind of getting me set up for earnings season and what our expectations are because we know that it's not actually what stocks generally don't trade on what they report. They trade on what the expectations are and the Delta versus that. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, as we get through the end of Q1 earnings season, we got a lot of Q2 guidance. John's looking out at Q2 uh, 2023 uh, earnings cuts here. And so on average, he's saying that S&P 500 uh, companies cut uh, 2% in aggregate during the first two months of the quarter. So that's for Q2. And I think that's interesting. You look at that chart over there, you can see that's well below over the last few quarters. And this, Liz, might speak a little bit to what we were just talking about, the decline in the market last year, right? If the market is a discounting mechanism and we're starting to have, you know, some of these deep cuts, it makes sense that maybe the stock market might bottom when those cuts or in anticipation of those cuts abating, and then you start getting into growth. Now, I don't, I just think that we could kind of muddle around a whole heck of a lot, you know, and look at where the cuts were happening. This is pre COVID, right? Like, so if you go look to the left side of this chart here, we made this point in 2019, the economy was already starting to slow. It was going to enter a recession probably in 2020 or early 2021 or something like that. All that fiscal and monetary stimulus just pushed it off. It kept corporate earnings afloat to some degree. So at this point, after three consecutive quarters of like 5% plus cuts into the quarter, now that we have a 2% number, what does this mean to you, especially now? Is the stock market actually, you know, is it priced to perfection? Because if we come in worse than expected, then, you know, the cuts are going to have to come in higher. And earnings revisions to the downside are the things that are going to turn stocks to the downside. Yes. Well, there's the formula. I talk about this formula a lot. The first part of the formula is the market. The second part is earnings. The third part is the economy. That's usually the order it happens in. Yeah. So if that's the case, here's here, I'll paint the positive picture, right? If that's the case, that means the market bottomed in October. Earnings revisions, the, the downward earnings revisions got worse a couple quarters ago and, and earnings maybe have already bottomed. And the economy is slowing. We've got contractionary signals. Maybe we don't completely fall into a recession. Then that would be the third piece. And then we all trot off merrily on our way, right, into some new expansion that maybe is slow, but upward. The thing about this, these earnings revisions is that I think a lot of it has been inflation coming down, revenue coming down because inflation has come down, and companies trying to manage that on the other side. And then also trying to manage the reduction in ad spending and just the anticipation of a recession. Companies are trying to manage their own margins and their operating margins on the anticipation of a recession. So maybe if there isn't one, we're probably set up pretty well to, to do good coming out of the non-recession, mm -hmm. right? But if there is one, I still am of the mind, I don't think the market has entirely priced it in and I don't think earnings have entirely priced it in. And what the market is sending right now signal-wise is that there's a cyclical, what I would almost call a garden variety recession mm -hmm. that is more on the horizon. And that is what happens when something like the Fed raises rates to put us into a recession, right? When it's not an exogenous shock. I think this is pretty garden variety stuff. Mm -hmm. I like, there was a song, Garden Party, if you recall, um, but I won't sing it for you, Dan. Although I am in national. Well, it's funny. I started my speech this morning saying, you know, in a town where you have some of the best voices in the world, you have to listen to mine for the next 45 minutes. People Oof. found that amusing. And my voice sounds like shit right now. But I'll say this. You know, the fact that revisions are not 
or if we can put that slide back up so we can uh, see it, the fact that we're at 2% and, you know, that's historically, I don't want to say historically low, but a smaller decline. I mean, it just suggests, again, that, that we continue to push out what I think is going to be the inevitable. And I'm going to be the first to say that I understood there was going to be a lag in this thing. And maybe the lag has been longer because there's so much liquidity in the system. But at a certain point, 500 basis points of hikes are going to affect not only the economy, but stocks. And we're just not seeing it. So maybe this is a sign that I, maybe analysts have just sort of thrown in the towel as well. And maybe we're about to start looking at revisions to your earlier point. They're going to come in a lot worse than people think. Well, yeah. And I think that would be the thing that causes the next downturn, right? And and so especially if we started getting weakening uh, economic data um, that's, let, let's say, accelerating. And the last point I'll just make here, we have another slide up here from John, um, is that, you know, and, and again, we've mentioned this probably 100 times on Market Call over the last, call it 200 days. Um, you know, he said, listen, people, watch out. Um, energy was keeping uh, S&P earnings afloat in 2022, okay, keeping things together here but they're going to drop off in q2 and look at that when you when you look at the largest mm -hmm. decrease in eps estimates that's for the energy sector and it's not should not come as a big surprise that communication services saw the largest increase okay and, and those are the things that are kind of driving um the market here so again good on you mr butters john butters thanks uh for your fine work there all right guy i think that's it buddy wait, wait, I, mean, wait, I got one more thing on oh, earnings real oh, quick sorry. Oh. i was talking to one mr danny moses on the way up demo today demo about this and think about where we are in the year. This is June now, right? We get to the end of this month. We're at the six month mark. Guess what we're going to start talking about? 2024, 2024 earnings. Yeah. And those estimates are pretty high. So you're going to hear probably bulls talk about 2024 estimates being lofty and things are going to get better. We just keep pushing this optimistic can down the road. Yeah. Or you're going to hear about bears or anybody in between saying things like, oh, those estimates yeah. are too high. They got to come down. And now they're coming down off these lofty levels. The narrative is probably going to shift in the next 30 days. Guy, just so you know, um, I don't know. I love those progressive commercials, the ones with the guy like teaching not to be your parents. Um, and, you <laughs> know, those commercials. Oh, that guy is, although I got to tell you something, that guy's a, a freaking genius, though. I oh, mean, he, I'd watch he him. I, he's great. I could watch so an funny. hour straight of those, okay? But but the latest <laughs> one that was out this weekend was of like teaching some guy like proper elevator etiquette. So when 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 uh, EY just said she rode up the elevator with Danny and Danny's talking about 2024 <laughs> S&P earnings, I think Danny should be on that show. So you want to know what I do in the elevator to really freak people out? Like I'm one of these people that – if there's a crowd, I'll let everybody in. I'll put my arm up against the elevator. To, so, and you know, just to show them it's not going to crash on their ribs and break them. And then when everybody gets in, I walk in last. And instead of facing forward <laughs> towards the door, I face the entire crowd. Oh How creepy is that? Do you talk to them? Do you introduce yourself and ask everybody to say something interesting about this? I've, I've, you know what? I've done some really crazy shit and it freaks people out. And it's funny because people that are talking with each other in the foyer before yeah. they get in the yeah. elevator are suddenly rendered mute once they're in the elevator. It's the craziest <laughs> freaking thing. I don't get it. It's a what real who do I, the hell do I know? Awkward. It gets socially awkward. That land, you know what? Uh, like a the word awkward makes the situation <laughs> awkward. I tell people that all the time. Once you say awkward, things yeah. become awkward it's like self-fulfilling but there's nothing <laughs> awkward the about the three of us no. i no. dig ey <laughs> from sofi i can't wait to see her on what do you want you're not on the ic on the, on the closing bell. yeah of course you are kill that shit i love dan nathan who you can tell dan is playing a little hurt today as well 
Um, but listen, that's what happens. My voice is for shit, but I'm going to come out strong in a few hours. Uh, but that's it for today's market call, Dan. I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank SoFi. Dan, get your money right all in one app. I want to thank FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. They also provide us with butters. Put that shit in the comment section. I want to thank <laughs> Elizabeth Young, Dan Nathan, the audience, Jacob, anybody else that's affiliated. We will see you on Monday, unless something crazy happens tomorrow. Later. <laughs>